How are we doing? How is your holiday? Are you still feeling festive? Are you over it? Are you excited to start a new year? See what's happened in 2017? Are you feeling a very cool? Are you having a cool Yule? So many questions. But before we get to any of those answers, let's start another episode of Terribly Funny, shall we? All right, here we go. It's a new episode, and I, of course, am your host and very sensitive pal, Steve Bazalone. And this is the podcast where I talk to, you know, uh, funny people about terrible things that have happened to them. And today we have a wonderful guest, Miss Allison Becker. She's funny, and oh yeah, some terrible stuff has happened. Uh, what can I tell you about Allison? Well, she is one of those people that I've known for many years, but only recently kind of become better bros with. Uh, and I gotta say, the more I get to know her, the more I really like her. She's smart and uh, kind and uh, funny, and uh, she was really good with my dog, so that goes a long way. Um, and you've seen her everywhere. She's a very talented actress and performer. You've seen her on UCB. You've seen her uh, in Parks and Rec for quite some time. You saw her in um, The Comedians. You saw her in Kroll Show, uh, New Girl. She's done all sorts of stuff. You've seen her. You love her. It's Allison Becker. And today, Miss Becker is going to talk to us about... Something uh, very universal. Depression! Ah, it's exciting to say depression in a very chipper way. Um, and what better time to talk about depression than the holidays, am I right? Ah, boy. Um, yeah, so uh, she's gonna. she's got some very insightful comments, and I'm just going to let her launch into it because she's uh, smarter than me. So enough of my bullshit intro. Let's get to Allison Becker, shall we? Here we go, another episode of Terribly Funny. Nice. She did this and she was talking about that she was like having a lot of anxiety driving over here. Uh huh. Why? I guess just to to talk about stuff. Yeah. Okay. Well, I would assume, given the nature of this podcast, that that is. It is, but it doesn't. A lot of people cross the threshold of your home with severe anxiety. I think so. I think so. (laughs) Um, But nobody's really talked about it before. Right. I mean, at least like sometimes, like I don't know what to talk about, but that's where the anxiety manifests itself, not just like oof. I'm just nervous. Is that a th- are you, do you feel nervous? Uh, no, I don't feel nervous. Um, but I also was not going to talk about like a specific thing that happened to me. Mm. Um, and more of an amorphous, hmm. an amorphous emotion. Um, well, you want me to just get into it? Sure, let's fucking do it. Um, I suffer from depression. Mm. And I thought we would talk about that. Well, that's a good one. I love that. That's, yeah. You love it? That's yeah. weird. No, no, no. But I think it's one... <clears throat> it's weirdly only one that uh, in, what, 30 or so episodes I've lately talked about once to twice-ish. Yeah. Which, I, which is interesting because I think it is so pervasive. Oh, yeah. Especially in our yeah. circle, I think. For sure. And and it's something that is not talked about a ton, even though it's like everybody's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm like my, I have like, you know, yeah. low grade or various I, degrees. I think it is, um, that's exactly what it is. I think uh, it is being talked about more. I think, especially in our circle, it is like people will throw away things like, I'm, yeah, like I'm anxious or I'm, I'm feeling depressed or whatever. But uh, yeah, I suffer from like severe depression. I'm on medication for mm-hmm. it. I've had it since in and out of my life since I was like 18 and I never really talked about it until lately. Mm. And I started like, uh, not that I have any great online following or anything, but I started like tweeting about it and posting stuff online and, uh, got nothing but first of all, support from friends, but also from strangers, like, like thanks. Like, Hey, thanks for talking about this. 
Hashtag that, stop the stigma. No, but isn't that fascinating though? That's um, that's part of the reason why I started this thing because there were just a couple occasions, just even like on Instagram when I would like have like a, a um, what I call it my surge anniversary. It's like the anniversary of my surgery, and mm-hmm. I'd always like it's like become like a second birthday to me. It's like an important day. It doesn't yeah, matter anybody yeah, else. Yeah. To me, it matters. Um, and just like putting something up and commemorating that, like I always get like messages from a ton of people I don't know being like, "Hey, this is really lovely. It makes me I didn't know. This. And I didn't even know that you went through that until I saw it because you and I have only known each other for maybe a year or so. I think like we've only like communicated. I've known of friends. you. Yes, exactly. Um, because you've been friends with like, Annie forever. Right. It sounds like we party a lot. But... Oh, we do. <laughs> we do. That's why. Are you friends with people you see at parties, but you don't like have lunch with? Well, but then yeah. you see them at parties, you're like, hey, bud, how What's are you? Yeah, for but sure. But it's not like, like, I didn't have your phone number until this week. Until this, like, Guys, yesterday. I have his phone it's number. It's a big deal. <laughs> no, I think the real one who should be bragging is me. Clearly, you, you t- tweet about things and people are like, hey, you help me. <laughs> um, but I didn't know about, that you went through that just crazy experience until you posted about it this year, I think, on your surge anniversary. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, I'm... Just, you have made this public, so I'm not saying anything. I'm just reiterating. You had your colon removed. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even know that one could have their colon removed. Oh, yeah, you can. You can't, pardon me, you can't remove your small intestine because your small intestine is responsible for the absorption of nutrients. Right. Of course, colon is just responsible for the uh, absorption of li- of more liquid. Okay. Um, so do you water. have to have, can I ask you some personal you, questions? Yeah, yeah I'm open So do you have like a... You like how I made this about me immediately? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Well, I just so like... So, because my grandmother, who I never met, actually passed away from colon cancer, which... It's uh, not great, from uh, what I've learned. No, from what I've learned. And what's a bummer, too, is, like, now if she had it, it probably would have been treatable. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, like, do you have to... you have a special diet? No. Because you're sitting here drinking coffee. He's drinking coffee, guys. He looks great. He's wearing, like, a baseball tee. He said he has... I'm just, like, setting... We both have, like, sun flitting through our hair. There's a great light in this room. It's a little warm. Um, I'm perfect. Great, that's good. Okay, so do you have weird dietary restrictions? I don't. I don't. I used to, when I was sick, I tried like every diet under the sun because it was like a lot of moralizing of like maybe if I... Pre-surgery. Yes. Okay. So like the seven years leading up to that, I like, I would like, okay, maybe if I own, don't eat dairy, if I mm-hmm. uh, only eat cooked cooked meats and vegetables or like just raw, <gasps> like really slow Were you living in LA then? Gluten. Yeah. So I did every I did like At least it's easier vegan. in LA, I guess. It was easier, but it was fascinating because like even shit seven years ago, like just trying to do gluten free was fucking yeah. hard. And now it's totally flipped. It's yeah. so easy. Like you know, I there was like three or four cereals like at Whole Foods. Yeah, and, and they probably weren't even marketed as marketed as gluten free, they just happened to yeah, be. Yeah, exactly. So I mean it's amazing like just that I it's not so much part of my life because I don't have dietary restrictions now. Right. Um, but I've just noticed in the friends who are like, don't eat gluten, it's like, oh, this is, there's options everywhere. Okay, one more personal question. Yeah. How's your poop? Oh, well, that's the thing. I don't eat, the only, only thing I really don't eat is, uh, I don't eat like a ton of salad because I find when I eat like a lot of leafy It just greens, goes through too fast. I just shit salad. That's fine. So like, you kind of came out on the good side. Yeah, it's like my... You can't eat salad. Yeah, Nobody no. likes eating salad. Yeah, so it's like more honestly... And you're the still things, really fit. Yeah, well, that's like something I worked towards because I was so emaciated for such a long time. But uh, it also, like, I find it helps. I, I am better. My turds are better when, like, I, like, you know, eat some, like, uh, some breads and cheeses and stuff. Oh, God bless it. Yeah. So that's in that great. regard, it worked out amazingly well. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, the rest of it was really shitty. No, yeah, yeah. The, the I mean, I've look, I've minimum shit myself fifty times in LA, probably oh. closer to a hundred, all over the place. And then getting your colon removed is not fun. It turns out. Really, I thought it would be like kind of fun. Well, it's a great way to lose weight. <sighs> it's don't, a great way to stay trim moving forward. Don't tempt people. I know. Those three months will not be worth it. Living with a bag is like a time that I, it's an adventure. It's an experience not many people have, but it's not great. I don't envy you for that, but I envy your strength. Yeah, well, getting back to like things that you were talking about, talking about depression, like there was moments that was because uh, it was like not a fun way to live at all. Right. But I was just. It felt like having the flu like all the time. Not like being nauseous, but just like feeling like exhausted yeah, yeah, yeah. all the time and just you feeling depleted. Um, and over time, if you feel that way long enough, it just it affects you physically. But I think the thing that probably had this surgery not worked, I think the thing that probably would have shortened my lifespan was the emotional toll. Yes. Because there was like yes. a lot of times where I was just like laying in that bed because I lived here for two years before I got the surgery and those like the year before was definitely the worst. Um, laying in that bed were like... I don't know, man. That, that roof deck is the fifth floor. That could do it. Fuck, really? Yeah, because it's just like not... It's, it's not a fun or sustainable way to live. Yeah. Especially when you're like a young person. I think it's maybe made easier when you are... You know, if you're older, it makes sense more. But when like, you know... I know, I was you're like, like, your friends are out. and you're, like 28. Yeah, yeah. And like all my uh, friends are like so vivacious and living terribly. Yeah. And still like waking up like... Ah. Yeah. And you're Man, like, I what? drank an entire keg of beer. Let's go for a jog. <laughs> no, they wouldn't go for a jog. They'd eat fast food. But you know what I'm saying. Also, not an entire keg. Which no, <laughs> I, I was, there's hyperbole all over that sentiment. But maybe one of those desktop, not desktop, countertop like Heineken. A party, a party ball. Yeah, sure. One of those things. I, I brought up party balls the other day. And somebody didn't know what them? they were. They don't still sell them. I had to Google image search like a, for a millennial is and be it, like, this is a party yeah, ball. Yeah. Is that an East Coast thing though? Or is that... It was like it was around the. the it was nation, around right? when I was like I graduated high school in '95. Yeah. And we had party. Some somebody's older brother would always get us party. Oh yeah, party ball because it was like it was like it was smaller than a half keg. And yeah. It was like easy to carry. Also, like listen, if you're listening, Budweiser, bring them back. Bring them back. They also, were like a great thing to show up to a party with. Agreed. And also, Budweiser, for listening, bring back Sparks. I don't know what Sparks. Oh, what? Do you remember before Loco? Yeah, I remember Four, Four Loco. was garbage. It was yes, terrible. Yes, you yes. felt crazy. Yes. I remember drinking half one once. And I was like, I feel like I'm on fire. Yeah, I didn't like that. No, it was not good. But Sparks was like, it was just kind of felt like it was like a, a melted melted vitamins and booze. But it like it like made you like a little, it gave you like a little bit I'm of I'm shaking perk. my head just so everybody knows. Yeah, I'm not into this. <laughs> no, but it was like a thing. It kind of tasted like a, like a Red Bull. But it has caffeine in it. There was like a little guarine or something, so it was like a little bit of a pep, but it wasn't like you didn't feel crazy. I don't need caffeine with my booze. I get it, but this was like a time where I was, I would always drink it like when I was not great, not, this probably perhaps exacerbated it, but uh, like my ex and I, we would always like have, like we'd split a sparks if we're getting ready to go out. Pre-game. It's called pre-game. Yeah, it's a pre-game. Dad, it's called pre-game. Yeah, I know, but I'm just giving you context for that was, that was we just split one while like we're getting ready. <laughs> All right, all right. And at Annie's wedding, mm-hmm. I bought like a case of sparks. Annie Mebbin. Annie Mebbin. Giving you contacts. Thank you. You're better at that than me. <laughs> um, my my old writing partner Annie, uh, uh, I bought like a case of sparks to take on the on their party bus to their like their joint bachelor party. Was it sparks with an S X or K S? Uh, shit. I think K S. Wow. Oh. Yeah, it's like a black and orange can. It's great. Don't remember it. Uh oh. It's okay. All right. I thought he was doing a vomit thing after the... Um... He might be. I think he's okay, though. He ate food. He seems to be fine. Right. I think he's just... He's just... Oh, no. Side. He's just laying down. That yeah, was a good downward oh. dog, right? Oh. 
Um, so that was my biggest experience, I think, with depression. That and like um, a year after uh, my divorce and my two years after my divorce and a year after my mom passed when like there was like nothing bad in my life. Like there was no, right. there was, like nothing, everything seems Fair. okay. That was like the year that I felt I think the most underwater because there was nothing everything should have been fine and I still well, felt discontent and I felt like yeah. every morning just felt exhausted and felt like I was trying to fill a bucket with a hole and that's that's the interesting thing you know like when you when you tell me that you went through a divorce and you're and a parent passing and a sickness like yeah as a as a healthy emotionally healthy human you should be depressed during that time if you weren't then there would be something wrong with you yeah. I would argue yeah uh I, um, even though my life is certainly not where I want it to be, um, I, I recognize that I am, uh, very lucky in very many aspects of my life. Um, but I, when you have depression, you, meaning me, I can't, uh, I can't enjoy things. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of trouble enjoying things. So like when I go to my, uh, if you know people have therapists and then people have psychiatrists and the psychiatrists are people who just prescribe the drugs those are just, the good ones those are the good ones yeah. putting into context for people and a psychiatrist you only see a couple times a year usually uh and i uh had re this this latest like bad bout with depression which probably started a few years ago i resisted i don't like being on medication mm -hmm. i just like think there's a lot of side effects and like i've been very stubborn and like i don't want to rely on it uh i think it's the reliance for me yeah, there's like now that I don't have to rely on it, like if it's like a recreational, I'll take an Ativan for a yeah, little exactly. stretched out. Great. <laughs> yeah, come on. Uh -huh. um, oh, my back hurts a little bit. Yeah, but I'm I'll also take like, it. I feel like they're going to be like, oh, in 30 years from now, we realize that, you know, Wellbutrin makes people not have left toes or like, you know, it's just like there's oh, always like sure. something that comes up. But by up. then, we're all going to be dead from, from like cell phone cancers. Yeah, and parabens. And yeah. Um, but. <laughs> But um, I resisted it for a long time, and this last bout was like so bad that like people close to me were kind of like, "Hey, I think it's uh, I think it's time." Like right. it was becoming like debilitating, where right. I like wasn't getting out of bed and like couldn't function in the, during the day. And I am very grateful for the people in my life that were like, "I think it's time to like maybe go back on medication." Yeah. And I and I did. Um, but what I have a hard t time with is hearing stories like yours, um, hearing stories like one of my. One of my very good friends, uh, her little girl passed away when she was only when the little girl was only seventeen months, Oof. and that was like, you, you know, like you don't really want to go to a funeral for a seventeen month no. old. It's like not, you know. How do you rebound from that? Exactly. You just you don't. And um, so I think about people like you, and I think about people like her, and people in my life who have been through such trying times, and I feel uh, guilty. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna cry now. I feel guilty that, like, what what right do I have to be sad when I haven't gone through things like that? Um, and that just makes me feel worse. And then I, and so now I'm dealing with this, like, I can't enjoy things. And then if I'm in a bout of depression, I it gets even further where I'm just not enjoying things, but I'm also very sad. And then I'm like, Allison, what the fuck? Like, what right do you? You're healthy. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> you have good friends. You have a great dog. I don't have a boyfriend, um, but anyway, uh, it, it, it start, I start to feel guilty, yeah. and then it's this whole other thing on top of it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know no, where I, if I have a point, but, but that's I, it. I, I understand that. I I think I think there be I think it's natural to to moralize 
thing when you're like, look where I live, look at what I'm yeah. doing, look that I'm healthy in all other capacities, um, and not to make it all about me, but just to try to compare it to the experiences that the one year that I felt like I was the most actively depressed was the year when there was nothing wrong. Right. And I think that's what compounded it was, it's like, what the fuck? You're like, I for should be happy time, now. Yeah, for the first time in like almost a decade, there's nothing actively wrong. Yeah. And I am still... I just feel like muted. And that comes, I think, a lot from a societal pressure, whether it's social media or whatever, of like, you're supposed to be happy now. Mm -hmm. Like, what's wrong with you if you're not happy? Yeah. I read some article that said that uh, Japan didn't have, uh, had a very low or almost non-existent occurrence of depression until there was a because there was no word in Japanese to mean depression sure. until a word was introduced into the language and then like hundreds of thousands of people yeah. were diagnosed oh yeah depression. I have that <laughs> yeah exactly yeah but they had no word for depression but oh we have many words for suicide exactly exactly yeah. exactly but I think it's a lot of that like what you know it's this yeah it's a societal thing in many ways not that society is causing you to be depressed but it's oh well, maybe it is I don't know because we we think we're supposed to be happy. All of our all of our check all of our boxes are checked with the things that we have. We have a roof over our head. We have good friends. You know, we're healthy. And then it's like, okay, well, I should be happy now, and I'm not. And what is happiness? There's yeah. no such thing as happiness. It's more of like, are you content? Are you? I hate to use this word, but are you grateful? Um, and that's been like a reprogramming of my own mind, where it's like, you just have to look at life in a more realistic way I think yeah and for me I'm almost this is gonna sound weird but I'm oh this is the most LA thing I've ever said I'm kind of this podcast is littered with the (laughs) most douchiest bougiest things so don't worry about it but you you learn to become grateful for the times of sadness because then you understand the reverse a little more I think I think that's or an intrinsic. hundred percent. I think that's like an intrinsic and uh, necessary and beautiful part of being alive. Like yeah. I think I've talked about this before, but I think there's something so um, the, the times in which like I felt like almost the most alive, or like when it's juxtaposed against like the absence of life, like at a funeral or when somebody's passed, because yes. it's like yeah, yeah. it's just such a reminder. You just feel so scraped out, but you're just your your nerve endings are on end and you just feel everything and that's like the I don't know I feel like um, as in like the opposite of love is not hate it's indifference yes like I think that the opposite of not living is not like living morosely it's like just not feeling anything yeah I think that's in it's such like an important sadness is I mean all ends of the spectrum but that's yeah they say a, day, a full day is a day you've laughed and a day you've cried because you kind of have to experience both of those things to truly appreciate life and and like I mean think about people in your life it's like if you think of someone who's like happy all the time they're kind of boring they can't, yeah. you know what I mean like someone who's happy all the time is like or just like what's wrong with them or it's just like it's a little bit just like you're like a Labrador man is that all there is yeah exactly this is maybe not like Like, boring like are you smart yeah exactly like are you have you read the news yeah you should be like I mean like it's great that you're a ray of sunshine but also like is that all there is exactly like I don't know if I shallow well yeah it's it's alarming yeah well I think there's something uh, I've been dealing with this 
I dealt with this a lot in my life, but I've been dealing with it a lot with my dad recently. Mm-hmm. Um, just in the recognition, and I've been trying to impart this to him, that I think, in fact, uh, recognizing weakness is actually a strength. Yes. And not, and just like acting like I'm putting on front and acting like I'm fine is actually making you weaker. I agree with that. I agree with that 100%. I, uh, and that's been a kind of a revelation for me. I have for most of my life been a person that about this stuff has been private. And, Mm -hmm. uh, if someone asks me how I am, I always say fine. Mm -hmm. I don't like asking people for help. Uh, I'm very stubborn. I like to do things on my own. And, uh, the past couple of years, I've just been like, if someone's like, how are you? I'm honest about it. I'm like, actually, I'm not like, you know, if I'm getting my morning coffee, but, but like, if a a friend of a good friend's like, how are you? And I'm not doing great. I I say, I'm, you know, not, not that great. And I'll talk about it. And it, and it feels good to get it out. And, and it feels honest at least. Yeah. Well, I think it's like all relates back to like what you started out in the beginning, like the fact that you just like occasionally made mention of this in social media and got like a resounding response. Yeah. Because I think people are like, oh, that's something you've been through. It just like normalizes it. And it takes, it takes away, I don't know, uh, like uh, this is perhaps a terrible example, but like when they used to be like banned books. It just like it only made them like more salacious and like gave them more right. power. Right. Like you just like treat them like nothing. It's like oh, it's another fucking book. Exactly. You know, but like when you're like, this is something you can't talk. It's Voldemort. You can't talk about this, and it's just like all the more like the folk. It's just like oh, that's that's not good. As yeah. opposed to just like treating it like it's a fucking normal thing, and then it becomes a fucking normal thing. Yeah, exactly. And then you can share your experiences with other people, like with any illness, mental illness or physical illness or anything, like sharing your experiences with other people is only going to learn about the disease more and help people grow yeah. and get out of it. I've also found that like, and this is a weird thing, but like as a comedy person, I feel like when I'm in my darkest places, my comedy is better. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like a, that's a weird thing that I've talked about with my therapist too, where it's like you, I mean, you look back at a lot of, not that I'm in any way making great art, but if you do look back at great art, uh, whether it's painting or movies or comedy or music, especially or music, yeah, a lot yeah, of it fucking comes. Adele wouldn't exist. Right, it comes it from a sadness. dark fucking place, yeah. and like people even say to me on Twitter, like, "Oh, your tweets when you're sad are so much funnier," and I'm like, "I know they are," and you, I want so badly to get out of this sadness and to enjoy life but I don't want to lose my edge yeah. at the same time. And that was a big thing for me the first time I ever went on meds. Uh, and I've been like trying to, I usually like, I'll go on them for like a year and then I'll go off them. Then I'll go on them again, like if I'm having a hard time. Cause again, I don't like to rely on them. But the first time I ever went on them when I was younger, I remember uh, being like all of a sudden like, more chatty with my parents and like just Mm. like I I felt like a different person and even though that person was quote-unquote happier I started to question like wait are these pills making me a person that I not that I'm not right is that the real me or is the other person the real me and it became like an identity crisis in a weird way really interesting and I I was like 
if I'm taking a chemical that makes me into one person, is it revealing my true self or is it creating a new self that's not me? And I just, that jar specifically I went off of because it was fucking yeah. with my head too much. Well, I think that's an important, that's an interesting question because <clears throat> the real the real you is 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 some somebody who has something of a chemical imbalance, right? right? Exactly. So that's what's creating this whole thing. Right. That and life. Yeah. <laughs> just life at, at large. But so, I mean, that's the real you, right? That's the, the cards that you've been dealt. Right. So to combat that, if you want to, then it's going to be shifted. It's going to be altered a little bit. But that's also like making, giving you a level playing ground. It's just I like know. creating like, all it is is just like saying, you know, if you're playing one-on-one with LeBron James, you get spotted 10 points. So we're even. I know. It's a terrible metaphor. No, right? but you know it is. Saying? It just no, like it's levels the great... playing field. First of all, I could kick his ass. I'm such a good baller. Oh um, no, you're like you're on the outside. You're, <laughs> he needs perimeter 10 shooting. Points. Yeah. Um, but I agree with you 100. But I'm also like I would love to win that game without that handicap. <laughs> For sure. Well, yeah, we all would, right? And I think that's. But that's like the. That's also the thing we're talking about, like the stubbornness and like the wanting to, like I yeah. can, I can soldier through this. And I think there's yeah. like. That's a good instinct, I think, but there's... But why make it so hard for yourself? Yeah, be, it becomes diminishing returns. Yeah. And also, to like, moralize, like, something is... This is bad. Like, it's one thing to say, like, something's wrong with me, and that's frustrating, that's annoying, but it's another thing, like, something's wrong with me, and somehow I am wrong for it to right. be happening. exactly. And that goes back to just speaking about it and right. being honest about it. And also... If you don't want to talk about it, if that's fine too. Like yeah, I'm not saying everyone with depression or everyone with any mental illness or any physical illness should be talking about it. If you don't want to and that's your choice, that's totally fine too. 100%, but I also think like uh, you don't have to, but just the fact that there are some people who are, yes. even, that gives you the power to not have to talk about it and recognize, "Oh, I'm not Exactly. I'm not bad. I'm not crazy. I'm not like whatever moralizing you're doing on your own. If you see somebody else like, oh, they're getting through it and they're talking, they're living their life in the way. I don't have to do that, but I know that it's okay. Yeah, exactly. And normal. Yeah. Yeah. There is, um, cause I know when I was sick for a long time, I didn't like want to let anybody know, like, you know, like I've known you for many years, but I can even chattier recently, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I knew you when I was, like, sick. And that was, like, a thing that you didn't know. And only didn't people, know, had no idea. And there was only a time... There was, only, like, in the last year, I was like, okay, I can't I can't hide this anymore. Because uh, I am... Because you could see it, yeah. Or, like, I have a huge face from steroids. I just look like a crazy person. Um, but, like, I, I actively tried to hide it because... One, I was young and it felt uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, I think there's such a stigma in recognizing vulnerability... Yeah. And uh, three, I didn't want it to define me. Yeah. So uh, for all those reasons, and I think it took me a long time to recognize that it does not define me, but it's something that is happening. And also to recognize that a vulnerability is an intrinsically like a weakness. Yeah. And also like just from a more pragmatic point viewpoint, it's like you don't want to like limit your job opportunities Mm -hmm. or your dating opportunities or anything like this for me is like, like I'm, I'm, like saying out loud, like, yeah, I'm single and I have depression. Do you want to date me? <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's a, put you, it puts yourself in a really, or do you want to hire me? Like it puts you in a vulnerable place, yeah. uh, both emotionally and just practically. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bizarre thing. I think, you know, there's, um, there's, there's a book that's called 
Uh, I've only read facets of it, but I can attribute the, my knowledge of this to my ex. Uh, I think it's called uh, "Sorry About Your Back" or something. Okay, I don't know. I'll do it. But, but anyways, the whole th- idea is that um, forty years ago, fifty years ago, uh, people carried their stress more in their stomachs. Like mm-hmm. everybody has, like you know, be like even watch old TV. People are like chugging my lanta because they have an ulcer yep. or something yep. like that, right? Um, but then that became like a very clear indicator of like, oh, here's somebody who's stressed out. Oh shit! So, so we transferred it to our back. Societally, we learned to transfer it to our back. Where's it going next? I don't know. I, I don't know. It's probably just going to like active depression, probably. <clears throat> you know. That's um, crazy. That that um, I can't remember if he talked about it in his book or I just heard it somewhere. But Howard Stern says that he he suffers from severe OCD and he. Uh, for several years had it very much under control mm-hmm. but then developed really bad back pains because he just still had the anxiety yeah. OCD is just a way to deal with your anxiety and but then he just held it all in his back so what you do need to do in those situations <clears throat> which was his argument is work on the issue not just the symptoms yeah. of it yeah because I mean it's it's going to manifest itself in some capacity yeah we're you know? so yeah yeah we can't we can, we're we weird can, animals we can trick our minds but our bodies feel like nah you yeah. can't not really man We're, it, it's still in here yeah it's a very bizarre thing and because you can you can convince yourself like oh, I'm okay now I'm okay now mm-hmm. and I've done that in the past and then I got like shingles yeah right that's the other mm-hmm. thing it can it can manifest itself as like physical illnesses yeah. stress will like lead to death longer than you know eating McRib well I don't know it might be one on one but that's it'll kill you it's yeah. like it will actually it takes an active it manifests itself in like such a very real physical and way. then when you're anxious or stressed or depressed and someone tells you like that could kill you or make you sick then you just get more anxious yeah, exactly. and stressed and depressed yeah it's a real catch 22 but it's like also like that's the way you have to address it you have to be like okay this is there's some momentum here and I need to stop the you know, cyclical nature of it. Exactly. I, I, I've started and I keep going back to it and then I'll like bail on and go back to it. But I started a book proposal cause I really want to write a book about this mm-hmm. because I feel like a lot of the books out there about depression and I've read a lot of them, um, are either written from a very clinical point of view mm-hmm. as a doctor or they're written, um, from like someone's specific experiences that may or may not relate to yours, like more of a memoir type right. thing. Uh, and they're all really depressing because yeah. <laughs> they're books about depression and I kind of want to write like a funny book about depression. That seems like that would do very well. And also just like a basic, like, uh, now I have to write this book or somebody's just going to steal this. So don't steal this please. Um, but <laughs> just like a basic, like here's 10 things that you could do. Cause for me, um, like exercise, for example, Exercise uh, helps with my depression. Mm-hmm. It doesn't cure my depression, but it makes me feel like 2% better. That's not nothing. Right. Yeah. And then this other thing I do will make me feel like a little bit better. And if you find the right combo, then you can get your depression into a workable. Right. Um, it just make it workable. Like for me, I, I, I'm so familiar with my own emotions at this point that when I feel it coming on, if I feel like a depressive bout coming on, first of all, if I'm in a relationship, I let the person know that it's coming on. That's and very mature. Luckily, Healthy. the people I've been I've dated have been like 
oh, oh, for the most part, uh-huh. uh, really supportive about that. And just like, hey, the next couple of days, I'm, I feel like I'm going to be a little sad. So maybe just like go easy on me or help me out or whatever. Sure. Um, and yeah, I'm just like, I'm at a point where like, I'm, I'm very aware of how my emotions are going to treat me. So I also know that if I can, if I let it spiral out of control, then I'm going to be on the couch for three days right. crying. Right. Um, <clears throat> so when I find myself sitting on the couch for a little too long, I have become very good about like making myself go out, booking like a, a exercise class that yeah. like I'll get docked for if I don't show up for like, you know, well, something like that, yeah, right. like force myself to go out and make a breakfast date that I can't cancel or whatever it is. And P.S. I've showed up to some of those exercise classes and some of those breakfast dates crying, mm-hmm. like still not shouldn't be out of the house, but also can't be in the house because if I am, then I'm going to spiral down and right. stay in the house for three days. And that is how I deal with it. I have to keep moving because if I don't move through those times, I know myself and I will just end up in bed for for days. Well, that's interesting. I think that's all great pragmatic advice for anybody, but I also, uh, how did you, you said you, like, the first time you really experienced it was 18. Did yeah. that just, like, totally blindside you? I mean, how did you, did you even recognize what was happening? How did you, like, get the lexicon to, like, oh, fuck, I am depressed, and how did you identify Honestly, that? I was in, taking an abnormal psychology class in college. Really? And. So it's like the Japanese, like, oh yeah, depression, that's exactly a word. exactly what it was. Yeah. And what's funny is I was a sophomore, I guess, at the time, maybe a freshman. I don't remember. And uh, the, in the ab psych textbook, there's a page in the beginning that's like, you are a college kid reading this book, and you will go through this book assuming that you have every disorder. Oh, wow. <laughs> Trust us, you don't. Wow, that's a really... <laughs> Uh, self-aware <laughs> I know textbook. right yeah and sure enough I was like oh these are and and also when you have um depression it's very common like I overlap with other anxiety disorders sure. it's not like clear-cut like you have this it's like you also have a little well, bit of OCD yeah. and a little yeah. bit of anxiety disorder and like all these things and I was kind of like oh uh, this is I, I'm dealing with something and I went to a school therapist and he was able to point me in the right direction and like and then I finally talked to my parents about it, mm-hmm. which was weird because I grew up very Catholic. And were they supportive of that? They, they have understand it. They have become more understanding about it. Um, they're very. They weren't this dogmatic about it, but some they in my family like my parents never went to therapy. Mm-hmm. My mom told me she went to therapy once, like one one session, and felt better after and part of me is like okay that's not really therapy no but the on the flip side i'm like if that worked for you i don't want to open up i don't want to crack open that issue (laughs) like like just if that makes you feel okay right like go for it uh but my mom did say once to me and she's definitely in her defense grown a lot from this but she did say once to me when we were in an argument once i was like mom my therapist says that when you say that and she goes you talk to your therapist about your family. Yeah, that's the <laughs> whole like, fucking that's thing. That's why I go to therapy. You're a strong part of my life. I yeah. mean, there's other things I talk about, but like, yeah. But yeah, my it's just, I'm not, I don't come from a family that like talks about their emotions like that. Like mm-hmm. when my parents have been dealing with health, health stuff, um, it's just not really discussed. Uh, yeah, they just don't like to talk or yeah. I don't, I don't know if it's like a, exposing weakness thing or like it's a little bit generational and I think it's also that they yeah exposing weakness and it's also something in general they have not been exposed to 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it's, absolutely. it hasn't become normalized to them in the way that like we say here, like embracing gratitude or like all the things that are like feel like kind of hippie dippy ish like they're just like normal facets of our life yeah and that's not like like my dad's dad was an immigrant and like just you know working like seven jobs and he didn't have time to like talk about his emotions he was just like i gotta feed five kids you know like it it's just you're right it's absolutely a generational thing and a situational thing and a socioeconomic thing and they just also a luxury thing by and large yes exactly absolutely so but they have become better about it i i know that a turning point for me with them was uh, about five years ago, I was having a really hard time. And I I just remember I was sitting in my car and I called my parents and they were like, we're just so worried about you. And Mm. I was like, yeah, I'm having a hard time. (laughs) You should be worried about me having a hard time. And they kept saying, well, my parents are the only people who call me Allie. Everyone else calls me Al or Becker or Allison. But they were like, Allie, we're worried about you. We we, we love you, but we're worried. And I just kept saying, I was trying to articulate to them that I was at such a low point that I didn't need any criticism or advice mm-hmm. or help. I just needed positivity. Sure. Just for like the next day. Yeah. Like just give me some like yes with nothing else. And she just my mom just kept saying we love you but we're worried we love you but and I just kept saying no buts like no buts and I was weeping and she just was like I'm and in their defense it was coming out of love like of course they were worried about me we love you but we're concerned and then I just kept saying please please just no buts and then finally she just said I love you and then stopped talking Mm. and I just cried and I was like thank you for that so that to, to me was such a little thing that was such a turning point because yeah. they understood that I was like, hey, some days I just need positive, just maybe a little bit of positive energy. Yeah. Uh, my parents can be very, I don't want to say critical. I mean, they can be critical, but they're never critical with like, a, like growing up, I was self-critical. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a straight A student, top of my class, always followed all the rules my parents never pressured me with grades. They did the opposite. They were like, why are you working so hard? Like, go, like, well, relax. Yeah. Like, go out and have fun. Chill out, nerd. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dork. Uh, and I just, like, I don't know why. I just push myself. But they are, like, critical with other things where they'll just be like, oh, we saw that show. You were so funny, but, like, I didn't like your hair. Or you looked so pretty, but I didn't find it just funny. And I'm like, just say you liked yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so those little things like always nag at me and I think because of that I've become a perfectionist yeah that makes sense um, but the, guess what there is no perfect so I'm always going to be disappointed oh yeah you're always going to be unhappy yeah I've What's, set myself up for disappointment and even if you even if you set the boundaries of what perfect is like life is fluid you're going to get to that and then it's going to be you're it's going to be dissatisfied you're going to set new bro, boundaries bro I know this yeah you get I it I know this and this is the thing about whatever you want, whether it's depression or just how your mind works in general, like as an intelligent person, I understand what you're saying intellectually. When my therapist says that, like I understand, I say to her, like intellectually, I understand exactly what you're saying. Now yeah. tell me how to tell my emotions that, how they're, do I fix two that? Wildly different things. I can, I can logic and rationalize myself in or out of most things, but that doesn't like, it's again, like shingles or getting up your back. It comes out on your back. Like you can say, okay, well I feel this way. 
but if it's not, you can't convince yourself of that necessarily. You can't. I mean, your mind is incredibly powerful, but if those two things aren't aligned, if they're not, it's not symbiotic. Like it's going to come out in some capacity. And that is the <clears throat> that's the gift that I think, quote unquote, happy people have. Right. Where they don't, whether it's them not obsessing over things or not ruminating or not like, they're just able to control their mind differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I can't yeah. do that. I don't know. I remember, um, this is taking a big, uh, a bit of an offshoot, but I remember when I was sick, I remember thinking actively like, man, I wish I could, there's got to be like so much solace and just being able to be like, yep, there's a God, there's a higher power, I'm t- I've turned myself over to religion. That's got to be like so... Freeing. Freeing. I agree 100%. Just to be like, well, this is all out of my hands. Yep. And there's like no These questions to be These are the rules and asked. I can't change them. Yeah. And I just remember thinking like, man, that as much as like I don't get that, that's got to be so nice. Yeah. Did you grow up in a religious family at all? Um, yes and no. I mean, my... my my all facets of my family, like my mom's side of the family, are all mostly pretty religious. My dad's side of the family as well. My mom. What um, religion? Oh, Catholic. Catholic, yeah. Um, there's like one or two Lutheran or Presbyterian by marriage, but like it's all. <laughs> we don't Christian. talk to them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gross. Um, no, but it's all by and large Catholic. And my mom, you know, when I was a time in high school where she started, or middle school, she started going to like a new age church, like a non denominational right. pool where they had like a band. <laughs> Um, and that's where they had like all their they had like all the best dances in middle school like that's where I touched my first Boop. vagina oh vagina yeah, oh at, shit in a, chur- in a church shit it's pretty chill I touched my first boob during Dumb and Dumber <laughs> um, <laughs> but it but then she, there was came a point where I th- she, my dad always went to church he always went to church every Sunday and I remember when I was younger because I used to go with him and I'd be like how come you don't go and she'd be like well I don't think that you have to go to a specific place in order to... Okay, but she still believed or... I don't know. You know she... it's, it's one of those things that like where later in life, we never talked about it much. I don't think it was like a thing that she... Did she get more religious as she, when she got sick? No, or no? she didn't. I think she was just like... She was... That was really interesting about her. She was just... She became more at ease. Mm-hmm. Uh, she became happier. Um, it was kind of like it was it was like freeing it was like all the questions like and we were just talking about religion it was like all the questions that are like bothering me like what am I going to do with this house where is this relationship going what am I doing about retirement like all these things are probably weighing on her and like right. all these things that I'm dissatisfied by and I want this for my life and right like this and you and realize it's not so important we're like well I got a year and a half what does yeah. it matter and she just like we kind of became like so much more relaxed like I remember sitting she came out to visit with my um, my aunt once like two months after uh, my, my split, my divorce. And they like came out like to be like two mama bears. Like, Aww. we're here for you. And it was very sweet. Um, but my mom had just been diagnosed like, you know, six months before. Oof. And I remember sitting, I was sleeping upstairs and they were using, uh, sleeping in my bed. And I remember it was right when the Tonight Show premiered, the Fallon Tonight mm-hmm, Show. Mm-hmm. And I think it was like the fifth episode in or the fourth episode in where they had Timberlake on. They did like another history yes, graph. Yes, yep. And I remember just coming down the stairs and seeing my mom just sit on this couch. And she was just, like, looked so delighted to be uh, watching it. Like, I knew, like, wholeheartedly she only knew maybe a, a full quarter of the songs that they right, were doing. Right. But she just seemed, like, so delighted just to be sitting here and watching this, like, mm-hmm. joyous thing. 
as you know, whatever you want to, if you don't like him, that's fine. I don't give a shit. But it was just like a joyful thing and she yeah. was loving it. And she was in that and moment. And it was like, this is like, this is just watching her like smile at something. It was like, wow, she's really seems more content. Yeah. It's got to give you a different perspective. Yeah. That you just can't wrap your head around until you're in it. Yeah. And I think like everybody will react. Yeah, exactly. You react differently. You can say that I'm going to, I would be like this, but until you're in it. Yeah. You just don't know. I had a, a friend in college, Antonio, who has since passed away. Um, and he was sick and he knew he was sick and just handled it. I think the opposite of how I would handle it. He was just like at every party and just wholeheartedly engaged with every person he met Mm -hmm. and was so lovely and just drank up life in the most beautiful way. Yeah. And I'm sure in moments I didn't see him, he was very dealing with things in another way. But just every time I saw him, he was just like life, like whatever it was. And not necessarily in a big way, just like if he was sitting at one person with one stranger, he would just like totally one. Exactly. Like 100% present, 100% engaged with them. And it was just such a beautiful thing to see. Yeah. That I, and I, yeah, you're right. We don't know how we're going to be until we're in that situation. I would hope that I would be like that, but I don't fucking know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's I might still be like, well, I got a vacuum. In. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I think there's that facet. Like, I think that I am not like, I'm not like a religious person, but if like I'm on a plane that's going down, I might be like, oh fuck, I'm going to say some prayers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, you don't know how you're reacting in, in any sort of. I pray heightened... when I vomit. Oh, really? I vomiting is like the, I like food vomiting. poisoning yeah. is, that's when I like, that's when I pray the most, I mm-hmm. think. Well, it's an awful feeling. God must be like, really? Only when this you're like, what this about, girl again? This chick. Ah, do you right, only fine. talk to me when you're vomiting or are you just vomiting all the time? No, you're vomiting all the time. <laughs> um, what do you, uh, how did you get to the place of defining that these are the things that help me just uh, feel like I can get through the days and get through this bout of less than stellar time? Um, Was it just a good living? Question. Yeah, I. I think it started when I started talking about it. Interesting. Uh, because then I could identify. I could once I vocalized the things, then uh, like other people were asking me like, "What do you do?" And then I'd be like, "Well, I do this," and, that, and that's why I wanted to write a book about it, just to be like, "Well, I try these few things, and they all help a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, they might not work for you. Uh, yeah, just and and just living it." Isn't that uh, kind of fascinating whenever you are in a position where somebody's asking you advice and then you kind of surprise yourself by rattling off like, oh, I guess I... I guess I know about this stuff. I know stuff. Well, even just like in our industry, like Mm -hmm. we know as much as our peers know, but then when you talk to someone outside of the industry, you're like, oh shit, I actually know like quite a bit. I know a ton of stuff, yeah. And it's like all this (laughs) intangible things that you've accrued. Over exactly. Time. It's like getting like, oh, how did I get 30 pounds heavier? It just like happened with over time and I didn't notice it. Yeah. It's just like, oh, I've accrued all this knowledge. Yeah, we're all, living. we have to give ourselves more credit for the knowledge that for we sure. have. But it's nice to be occasionally reminded of like, oh, these are the little merit badges that I've got from good things and bad things. Yeah, yeah, that I've been through in life. Yeah. Do you have any um, sort of advice, I guess? Because that's kind of what you were talking about in terms of like these are the things that I've defined that have helped me get through troubled periods but if like 
how does one define those things if you know because it may not everybody's chemical makeup is different yeah so going to that that breakfast might not be helpful for some people right I mean I guess the advice that I would give would be would revolve around medication because mm-hmm. I have a lot of opinions about medication uh, and that would be twofold first because a lot of people have asked me this if you're just feeling like a general ennui ah, about nice. life sure. uh, I don't recommend medication I think people are while it is a it is a necessary tool for many people I feel like some people maybe default to it a little too quickly right. um, so explore what you can before you resort to medication on the flip side if you are like me, very stubborn about medication, right. and you're and you're not functioning in your everyday life, if you're missing meetings, if you are having suicidal thoughts for one thing, mm-hmm. if you are uh, not eating or overeating, uh, and it's really affecting you, it's affecting your relationships. <clears throat> get in, <clears throat> excuse me, get in therapy and or get on medication. I mean, you should be in therapy even and even with the general ennui. Yeah. I just wanted to say that word again, uh, but you say it very nicely. <laughs> thank you, yeah. mercy. But <laughs> yeah, I th- I think like treat medication as a real thing, as a serious thing on both sides of the spectrum. Right. Don't just rely on it because you think you're going to take a happy pill because that's not what antidepressants do. Antidepressants yeah. are not like uh, recreational drugs where you take it and you suddenly feel happy. Right. The best way that it was described to me was by a friend of mine who also has depression, and he was like. I still have those low moments, those like crying on the couch moments, but they don't last as long and they don't go as deep. Right. And that's like a great way to to describe it. So it's a leveler. It's a leveler. It's a little bit of a leveler. Mm. You still feel sad, but you're like able to deal with it a little bit better. It's just like a little crutch. Mm. But yeah, if you're just like I'm not happy with my life. Can I take a pill that's going to make me feel better? Like, no. I think also we would define the problem your discontent as like your voice. If that's your voice. That yeah. You're if this is your voice, like don't go on medication. Yeah. That's, that's the general rule. <laughs> Just go see like a speech pathologist. Um, do you feel like though it's, it can sometimes be like, because I agree, I, I, I myself have done this, I think perhaps more, maybe more recreationally, but like, okay, because I used to be very anti-medications. Mm-hmm. I think it was like, just a little bit of um, young naivete, mm-hmm. a little bit like I don't need that. I can will myself through anything. I get it. I got it. And then when I was like so beat down, and then I just had to take things, and then it became like maybe perhaps too normalized because there was a period in my life where I was just like fucking ingesting so many things, mm-hmm. just like trying to like throw everything at the wall and see like will one thing stick and give me my life back. And that's what. Sorry to interrupt, but that's yeah. what like uh, psychiatry is still very much a. <sighs> A mystery. A trial and error. Yes, yeah. and like I've been on drugs where like I've been prescribed drugs where like the psychiatrist was like, well, I've never actually prescribed this before, but I think it might help. And then like three months later, I like I'm gonna take myself off of this because this is not yeah, good for you me. Don't even a context for what it is. Exactly. Yeah. So just be careful with things. But please. Yeah. Continue. No, I, I I'm just saying like I, I guess I, I agree with you, but also I'm wondering if um, you feel like that it's perhaps. Uh, at times can be like a, a helpful stopgap. Like if there's just feels like, fuck, there's just like this momentum and I can't quite seem to like really get my head out of the water and just like an opportunity to like 
to get this to level things off so that I can define the things that I can do outside of a medication to negate the need for a medication. Does that make sense? Being on, let me see if I understand what you're saying. So being on a medication to just assess your life, to be able to have the clear-headedness to assess your life? Yes, to like feel like, um, because I was on Ativan for a little Mm -hmm, while, and mm -hmm. I think that was primarily, um, I did that just because I knew that stress was exacerbating my health issues. And that was like the only, the real catalyst, the only real catalyst I could define, like, certain foods if I was like right right but not really like if there was like greater acidity I would like get like canker sores and yep. that was like a kick in the pants so like okay well maybe I'll stay away from those things but there was like no real catalyst and the biggest one was just like stress when there was like more stress it would come on because that was the weakest part of my body right. it's like the weakest part of the dam so that's what's going to explode um, so like I went to a psychiatrist just to be like can I do something to help perhaps manage my stress so the rest of my body doesn't fall apart and that's how I got into Ativan and for me in that instance it was like felt like a little bit of uh, there was depression sure mm-hmm. but it was more just like I just need if there's anything give me like a, so I can get a full breath of air so I can kind of help try to stop well, the other things I would go back to for, and again everyone has their different everyone has different thresholds for when they think medication is appropriate right for me that sounds like it was affecting your life like it was affecting your physical health for sure um so that to me is a sign to yeah do yeah. it again I, if it's affecting your everyday life th- in a in a way in a bad way mm-hmm. like more than just like nah, i don't feel good yeah i don't feel all good today mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but like again you're having physical ailments you're missing meetings like then then yeah, yeah. then it's then it's time so i think that was appropriate for you at that time because you were experiencing like genuine physical side effects from yeah, stress. Yeah, I, mean, I, I feel like it, it was a definitely appropriate, and I, I'm glad that I did it briefly. I'm just wondering, like, I've seen, like, other people in other capacities who, like, you know, friends or acquaintances, and like, yeah, I just started taking uh, uh, Zoloft, and fuck. Like, it's just everything. I didn't, like, see, like, a, a, a large problem, and I don't think depression was such an issue. It was just, like, the small things would keep on. It yeah. Just, like, it felt like, you know... Uh, something that was a five pound weight for like a 50 pound weight and right less in that just like oh it's not it feels like a 50 pound weight now for a second and then I realize what right. it is right 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 um, I don't know this is a very amorphous ambiguous conversation but no it, it's it's very relevant it's I just my own personal view is that you should try everything else sure if it's a you should try everything else first Unless you're in a place where it's like severely affecting right. your life, then just then just go on the meds. Right. But it, everyone has different yeah. opinions about that, and I'm not going to force my opinion on someone else. If they if they ask my advice, I'll tell them how I feel about yeah. it. Um, but I mean, we also live in LA, so it's a place where people want that quick fix. People want that. I think that's everywhere, though. Yeah, but especially here. Yeah, I mean, I you know people will. Like well, I think it's also like it's more normalized. It's, it more is normalized, more absolutely, so. absolutely. But you know, even with just like weight loss, it's like listen, if you do a healthy diet and exercise, you'll lose weight. But people are like, mm, yeah, yeah, but what's like faster? Yeah. yeah. So it's like, all right, yeah, that works. But 
what decisions are you making about your life? Do a little more of the work, and then if and it's then still not see. working, and then that's what, sure. Yes, yeah. and that also goes along with just the responsibilities of doctors, whether it's a psychiatrist or like a surgeon, to say like, have you really done diet and exercise? Mm-hmm. You know, I have a friend who, a guy friend who's like, drinks like a fish and is like popping diet pills because he wants to lose weight, and I'm like, no, what God. are you doing? You see, these things are too at odds. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like. He's like, well, they're doctor prescribed. It's fine. And I was like, no, it's not. You live like shit. And that's, if you want to lose weight, then like, don't do that. Try this first. And then if you have some like thyroid issue, Mm -hmm. then that's what a diet pill's for. But like, there's a lot of unethical doctors out there too, which is really unfortunate. Well, I think it's, I mean, I think it's a complex. I've, you know, because I've dealt with a lot of doctors, I've dealt with some that are very curt and. That comes, I think, primarily just having done it for a long time mm-hmm. and also being incredibly busy and having a, a lot of people to tend to. So I think you kind of do the best that you can. Mm-hmm. Which is a comment on our healthcare system, but please yeah. continue. Yeah. Um, anyways, that's a whole other issue. Uh, I guess I would ask, like, what is your... Um, do you feel like you have a handle on this and what would be, like, your goals moving forward, like, in terms of your emotional health? Ooh, I feel like I have a handle on it yeah I feel like it's under control for the most part I still very much have depression uh I am on I'm currently on a drug called Lexapro Mm -hmm. I was uh on 20 milligrams for a very long time and then I whittled it down and I'm now down to 5 milligrams which is just like a very low dose yeah I have tried many times to let go of that rope and have not done very well uh, my goal would be to be off of it, mm-hmm. uh, to feel like, okay, off of it. Um, I mean, that's my next goal. My goal in life would be like to be happy with a great partner and a great job yeah, and great family. All, that's like, what all the things you want. Exactly. But then you get to that. Let's say you get to that. And, and then I'm still not happy. Yeah. yeah. That's is, when it's like, what the fuck? And that's, that's when the guilt comes back, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that's like, if you asked me what my goal was 10 years ago, I'd be like to be a working actor. And like, here I am as a working actor and I'm, I have depression. So yeah. you never fucking know. But, yeah, my goal, a, a, an attainable goal would be to be off of medication for me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stop there because, like, I could say other things, but then if I don't get the, the other things, it's just going to make myself, set myself up for disaster. Well, you already know it. You're, you're just not <laughs> articulating. You already, you already know on the inside. Yeah, yeah. But I guess that's part of the thing is if you, I got, I'm going to do this thing. Oh, man. <laughs> oh. I fell on my face. Well, um. I think that's a nice little chat. I think so, too. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming out and sitting on my couch. Sorry I got teary-eyed. Oh, no. I'm sure I a lot like of people that. cry. There's, there's been quite a few. I mean, I have, so. Oh, you didn't cry during mine? Oh, I got a little misty. Don't worry about oh, good. it. Good. Yeah, no, I'm just very, like, I, uh, as much as I am open, I still take things and shove them into a box. Great. Good job. And then I go see movies a lot in a dark room. You cry in the dark room. Yeah, I have a friend, um... My friend Laura, who I go see most of my movies with. I see it with either Laura or my ex. That's like most of my movies I see with. Um, and she will often say, like, we went to see Manchester by the Sea last weekend. Right. And at some point she's like, oh, is there an earthquake? And it's like, not an earthquake. It's just me sitting beside her, like, silently heaving. <laughs> but, like, not, like, audibly crying, just doing that, like, yeah, yeah, shake yeah. kind of cry. Like, where just, like, your whole solar plexus, like, moves in I've and out. I've been there many times. Yeah, so, and, and, like, that was, like, her thought initially, but she was saying that she remembers the first time that that happened, like, it was in New York. And then, like, oh, now it's just, now I just know that if I hear, like, a, if I feel, like, a little jostling, it's just Steve What's crying. What's your, um, 
what's like the thing that like the thing that makes you cry the most in movies um, and commercials? You know, I feel commercials is a good one because like it's they have thirty seconds, so if you yeah. get on it in a commercial, like holy shit. And a movie, I think it's it's different. I think it's yeah, it, the, the attachment to the characters, yeah. and things like that. And also, I think it's it's changed over time. Yeah. Um, I because I remember I was crying a lot, and I maybe even talked about this on this before, but I was crying a lot. And the first time I went to see a therapist out here, the guy I still see not as much as I should, but I still see. Um, he just I was telling him about these crying, and he just asked the simplest question. It was like at the end of the session, he's like, "Okay, next time that happens, um, just take a moment to stop and and." consider why you're crying right and i was like holy fuck yeah why am i crying why have i never considered to ask myself that question before and it's like the dumbest thing but then i was like and then very quickly i defined like i was very sick so it was a lot of it was um injustice any sort of injustice yeah okay okay just yep. like even if it was like s- small things mm-hmm. it didn't matter if it was like um you know somebody cutting uh, someone else off yeah yeah, something like that it would just like get me so immediately because I feel like I'm I'm experiencing such a level of injustice and I was frustrated to visualize yeah it's exactly yeah I I love asking people that question because it is really I mean yes everyone has those things where it's like when the main character dies or the dog dies or whatever like we're all gonna cry or it's a beautiful wedding whatever but yeah there's mine my weird specific one is strangers helping other strangers oh sure i don't i think maybe it was a i don't know like i was in new york during 9 11 so maybe that's where it comes from but like it is like even if it's in a commercial and someone like there was a commercial that ran for some bank a few years ago and like there was like a pizza guy like starting to cross the street and like a businesswoman like pulls him back and like just saves him from it was like a two second shot and it mm-hmm. would make me weep every time I saw it <laughs> it's always fascinating I feel like it moves a little bit because Injustice doesn't do it quite as much for me anymore because right. I feel like ah, my life is I don't feel so you know also I had time to uh, digest all that but like yeah I don't know man I, I remember going to see a terrible movie called uh, uh, Green Lantern Okay, I remember it coming out. Yep. I never Nobody saw it. Nobody saw it. I went to see it by myself, and the basically the a uh, real tearjerker. Oh no, it was bad. <laughs> it was bad, admittedly, and like everybody, like I think you know, Ryan Reynolds. I'm a fan. I think he's a charming dude, but I think this movie like set him. He back. was like, oh shit. He's like, oh, <laughs> man. Have done that one. And they like made fun of it actively in Deadpool. Oh. Um, but the whole, like, the mantra, the mission statement is, like, it's this battle between fear and hope. Like, those are the two, like, okay. guiding principles. Got it. And it was also when I was sick. Oh, and that was, like, the two things that, intense. like, just, like, articulating, like, in fear and hope. And, like, my fears were, like, a lot of times winning. And it was just, like, the idea that this, 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 I'm, like, getting, like, misty now, just thinking about, like, the fact that this <sighs> bad movie, like, in this terribly scripted movie with bad effects, hope overcame fear to win at the end of the day. It's intense. And it was like, and it's done not well, but just that idea. And I'm fucking crying in a movie that's basically empty because it was a bomb. And that is... <laughs> okay, wait, one more question before mm-hmm. we go. Do you have a movie that you, like, maybe own on DVD and watch over and over and it's not in any way considered a classic, but it makes you weep every time? Um, I have a bunch like that. Well, not... Okay, well, I have... <laughs> There's one that I've watched of late, probably 15, 20 times in the last I, well, year and a half, two years. It? Uh, and it's on, like, it's on Netflix uh, Beginners never saw it oh bro what is Mike it? Mills is just the most talented and it's like Hugh McGregor and Melanie Laurent at their most 
attractive and adorable. Well, this sounds like a legit movie. Oh, it is. It is okay, legit. Okay. Um, but there's like other movies like. <laughs> but do you have like a cheesy one? Uh huh. What? Um, I have, granted, I've not watched it in probably like nine years. Okay. But every time I watch it at the end, I've only seen like four or five times, but weeping. The Adam Sandler movie, Click. Okay, that is fucking amazing that you said that. I have never seen Click, mm-hmm. but I met this girl at a party once and was having this conversation with her, and she said that movie. And she's like, it's so bad, but there's it's, something it's about it. Because it's all about, like, wasted opportunities. That's what she said. And not appreciating life, and also fathers and sons. And all three of those things, it was less like... I remember my old roommate, Todd Strauss-Jolson, TSS. Shout out. Big shout out. We, at one point... We, like just we came out we got a I bought a remember bought a DVD it sits right there in my, in my stand <laughs> I see right it guys to, it's my and something else um, we both watching it and we were both sitting there like in our in our our boxer briefs like eating like chips and, and, and hummus like just sobbing so yeah someone else told me this about that movie that yeah. it's just like not necessarily epic but just hits on a thing yeah man because it's just it's like it's like a, it's a wonderful life yeah but like with a cheese but ball yeah, uh, you know like big big pitch big um idea but my it's... movie that if I'm like severely PMSing and need to get under my grandma's blanket and just put on is the Jennifer Garner flick 13 going on 30 sure with Mark Ruffalo with Mark Ruffalo and Andy Serkis not as a monkey which is just a lively um, wait, who's Andy Serkis? Which one is Andy Serkis? He's the editor, I think. The boss? Yeah. The British guy? Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Because he's Gollum and, and, you know. Oh, I didn't realize that. Know, that's okay. the one movie that he's like actually got to be a sense. person. That makes sense. Um, it's just a lighthearted comedy, like, not body switching, but essentially body switching where she makes a wish. It's big. It's mm-hmm. basically big. She makes a wish and wakes up uh, as a 30-year-old. Um, but there is a scene, and I've seen that movie way too many times, and there's a scene where... Uh, once she is 30, she uh, is having a hard time and she gets on the train and takes it out in New York, where I lived, and gets on the train and goes to the suburbs of New Jersey, where I'm from, mm-hmm. and goes into her parents' house, uh, goes downstairs in the basement, goes into the room that she made the original wish in, shuts the door, and starts weeping. And then her parents come home and they're a little older now, and they open the door to the closet and they see their grown daughter who's weeping and she says to them I don't know what happened I just woke up one day and I was 30 mm-hmm. I'm crying again yeah and that's a very real thing I realized like the 10th time I watched that movie that it's not a wish fulfillment movie mm-hmm. that it's about a woman who's having a breakdown yeah and if you watch the movie with that in your head that it's legit about a woman having a 30 year old adult woman in the professional world having a breakdown, it has a whole new meaning to it. Yeah, wow. And it gets me every fucking time. Also, there's like fun 80s music in it. and a Yeah, th- they dance the thriller. Exactly. Yeah. So like, it's an adorable movie. I highly recommend it. I briefly worked with the guy who wrote that movie. Oh, that, I mean like, what a visionary. Yeah, also, it's, it's a weird a movie. It is? Oh, you just made me so happy. Yeah. It's also a weird movie that like, different guys I've dated I've put it on and they've like made fun of it and then by the end of it they're like so invested in it oh yeah <laughs> it's a good movie I knew uh, honestly that like my my ex and I we watched we neither one of us this is when we first started dating neither one of us were dating long distance I flew out there and like I would always take like a red eye so we like have like a morning just like watching movies right like, right like, and we watched The Notebook together. Oh, fuck. And we both thought it was so stupid. What? And I was like, this is amazing. You're, You're like, perfect. I found my soulmate. Yeah. 
Oh man, that movie wrecked. I know it wrecked everybody me. except for like we're both like what's because we saw it like a year after everybody's like oh the Notebook, the Notebook, the Notebook, and we saw it and like. I, I mean, yeah, they're I almost, both hot and they're kissing the rain. It's oh, cool. I almost but like, choked mm. on my own snot. I was crying so that's much. A good, that's a good look. It was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but then we watched right. Click afterwards and she was also bawling. I was like, this is it. <laughs> We're in. I'm in. Marry me. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. Those because... are the sad movies. No, the bad chasing. But go see Beginners. I'll see it's Beginners. It's on Netflix. Go, go it's amazing. see it. Go to your couch go. and see it. But like legit, it's, it's perfect All right. for me. It's like a seamless movie. It's... It tells, uh, it has like, it is three separate storylines running at once. And oh, that's a like, lot for and, me to keep track but it's, of. Steve. But it's seamless. It's it's in the past, it's in the future, and also Christopher Plummer won an Oscar for it. Oh, I love Christopher and Plummer. And like, also, there's like history lessons in Twixt okay, and all these right. beautiful, and they're all, everybody's beautiful. And like, you already sold me. It's amazing. It's, it's maybe my top five. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. That's like, if like, Bold I statement. can point to like, that's the movie I want to make. All right. Bold statement. Anyways. Well, thank you. Thanks, dude. I appreciate it, lady. Thanks for doing this whole thing naked, too, with me. Uh, you know what? I, I just want to make you as comfortable as possible. That's my end. <laughs> I see evidence of you and him. Mm, depression, huh? Talk about a good time. It's a real kick in the downstairs stuff. But thank you so much to Allison for coming out, sitting on my couch, and just being so open and candid and insightful. Uh, you're wonderful. If you want to see what else is going on with Allison, and you should because she's great, you can check her out on Twitter. It's at the Allison Becker. She's like the Ohio State. Give her a follow. Support that lady. Um, also, speaking of support, if you like what we're doing, go to our iTunes page. Write us a review. Leave us a comment. Give us a, r- a rating. We love that kind of stuff. Um, also, you can follow us on the social medias. We're on Twitter. It's at terribly underscore funny. You can tweet at us there, or you can tweet about us. That's exciting. We also have an Instagram page where you can check out me and, and pictures of me and uh, uh, my very, very attractive guests. It's a terribly funny podcast. And that's it. I, oh, oh, yes, we have an email account, too. You can write us a line. I'd love to hear from you, honestly. Um, you know, just knowing that uh, some people are out there and how they're feeling, that means the world to me. That makes this whole thing worthwhile. So if you want to drop me a line, uh, it's terribly funny podcast at Gmail. Uh, I promise I will respond to you. I might be busy with work, but I will get back to you because I really do enjoy that dialogue. Um, and that's it, gang. Other than to say thank yous. Thank you to Hayden Fongheiser for doing everything behind the scenes. And I do mean everything because I'm a dum-dum. And thank you to Julia Pot and Kingdom Flying Club for doing all the art and music. Uh, that's it, gang. I hope you're having a great holiday. I really do. Uh, and I love you. Okay. Have a good weekend.